Facebook and I saw you and I was like, oh my God, it's a clown, you know, because <laughs> you had your makeup on, but what is it that you do? Well, it's really funny because um, whenever people ask me that, I have to say, well, well, which one of my jobs is it that you're referring to? Yeah, I, I, yeah, because I know you do a lot. I, I want to know all of them, awesome. all the fun ones, I'll say. <laughs> well, all the fun ones. Well, interestingly enough, um, you know, my my quote day job um, is actually tremendously fun and creative in its own way. Um, less on the art side, um, but still in its own way, mentally challenging and creative and, and incredibly rewarding. So, um, you know, my story is that I actually, um, going through school, always had a, a dual interest, which is um, science and medicine, and then also dance. I, I'm a lifelong dancer, was a dance minor in college. And um, really, I was still performing actually on stage all the way through medical school. And it wasn't until I was a resident, you know, and working 100 plus hours a week, some some months that I had to kind of give up the stage life for a while. Um, but I finished my medical training and then found dance a bit after that as well. Um, but then got to traveling with work. And, and again, it sort of just fell by the wayside. Um, but I'll tell you in a second how I uh, refound it was kind of fascinating. So my, my back to my day job, it's... Um, I, I don't see my own patients anymore. I haven't for years. Um, I spent a decade as a consultant to academic medical centers and children's hospitals all over the country and even the world. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. But then I got sick myself, um, had to take disability for a year and a half. And when I came back to work, really wanted to get back to helping individual patients. Because I said to myself, if I am a doctor and a healthcare consultant, and I can't figure this stuff out. Like, How does anybody you know, with complex medical issues, really, you know, find the care that they need. And so my current day job, if you will, is I run a group within a benefits consulting firm, but it's a group of clinicians. And we're basically like a medical private investigation or medical SWAT team where we take these really complicated cases and we help them make sure they have the right diagnosis and the right treatment. And, um, and then we look at their bills and, and, you know, how their insurance was built and just make sure everything is working the way it should for these people and that they get the resources they need. So, um, it's been fun to grow that growing that particular service has been fun and challenging in a, in a way that taps my creative energies in a totally different way than my art side. Yeah. I find that so cool. So you guys are like a, uh, uh, medical suicide squad then. Right, exactly. I'm always like, we're like the SWAT team coming in. We're like, okay, we're going to turn over every stone and like help help get things uh, happening in a way that really works for people. So incredibly yeah. rewarding. But I still yeah, have this I, long I, passion for the arts and had to figure out how to weave that in too, you know? Yeah, and I feel like, uh, I feel like sadly we need that. Like I know a lot of nurses Mm -hmm. that do not trust the hospitals because they are nurses and they actually know what's going on. Like there's medication that's given to minorities that will kill them and they know it'll kill them and they still give it to them anyways. You know, it's like a cheeseburger from McDonald's, you know, like it's very <laughs> bad for you. Know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really tricky. And then, you know, when you look at all the different interactions between the hospitals and doctors and then the insurance companies and and the fact that their contracts between each other aren't necessarily always favorable to the patients you know it's a, it's a very complex industry and at the end of the day patients needed an advocate that just worked on their behalf and i was so proud to join this company and build this up you know build this group with them to say look we are we are only here to serve patients their families and their employers who are funding their healthcare and, you know, because of that, we don't have to worry about these other external contracts or other interests. And, and it allows us to do a lot of really cool stuff. Nice. Nice. So tell me about the fun stuff you do. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the hanging upside down from the ceiling with my face painted stuff. Um, so. <laughs> So when I was out on disability, I mentioned I had been a lifelong dancer. Um, I ended up having, I got arthritis in my spine and a genetic condition or hereditary condition. Um, and during my treatment for that and them trying to, to get that resolved, I couldn't really exercise because of the severe pain. And I lost all the muscle that was surrounding like in my legs and so forth. And 
started having problems where I'd stand up out of bed and pass out or almost pass out. And I certainly couldn't take a hot shower without, you know, blacking out. And um, they, they figured out, long story short, that I also have a genetic issue with my collagen that makes my joints too loose and my blood vessels too loose. Um, I was kind of compensating for that my whole life by having a lot of leg muscle to return the blood to my heart. Um, but everything kind of fell apart. Literally, you know, my, my shoulder was coming out of the socket in my sleep. It was just insane. And, and it was finally my genetics doctor that said, you know, I know you love to dance, but you have got to find something that's more full body or at least something else you can do um, that will help, you know, build the muscle in your shoulders and your core just to, you know, keep everything working because your, your joints won't do their job on their own. So I found aerials. Um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, now I dance in the air. I do, gosh, probably seven, eight different apparatuses. Um, everything from the very pretty fabrics to the, the round hoop to trapeze and, um, a lot of different things. And it's been an amazing, amazing process. Yeah. I'm sure it took a lot of training and practicing. <laughs> <laughs> it still does. And I will tell you, um, being on quarantine for months on end is um, kind of sets you back a little bit. So we're in, in the process of getting the strength back and getting the tolerance to spinning back and, and all of those things. But it's still something that is just pure joy for me. I, I hang upside down and I flip around and, and do these big tricks. And, and every single time I still feel like a kid and want to say, we, <laughs> yeah. it's really fun. Let's do it again. Um, and then I made a business out of it, which was just completely unintentional, but has been yet a third really creative and, and interesting adventure. I uh, had bought a building back in 2016. At the time, my circus coach was looking for a place to expand her school, and we had a really hard time finding lease space. So I said, well, I'll buy a building and you can just rent it back. And she did that for a year and a half and then moved on for a number of reasons. Um, and I was left to kind of look at it the space and the community we built there and say, you know, is this something that we should continue? And what was really cool about it is it has a full music recording studio, like a legitimate recording studio. Oh, wow. um, it has a dance studio. It has acrobatic rooms. It has pole dancing. I mean, aerial, you know, we have painters there and photographers and improv and theater. And, and it, it just, it, it was this, not just a space, but a community of people that wanted to lift each other up and do some really creative things together and just be there in a safe place that was welcoming to everyone and create their art. And I was like, I can't give up on this. Uh, I really need to, to just push it forward. And so that is my, my third passion is, is really running this business that we call Soar Creative, which is, I guess, easy, mo most easily described as an artistic co-op, if you will. Yeah, and thank you for that, because I feel like we do, you know, need something in our uh, community that, you know, uh, we can go to, because not everybody can go to the big studios, you know what I Right. Mean? So that's very, uh, how do you give back to the community? It's, that is a fantastic question. And, you know, it really is, we, we not only provide us a, a space at an affordable rate, but we're actually teaching people. And, you know, it's a, a fun thing for me. I also somewhere along the way managed to get a business degree too. So um, to be able to do coaching and we're actually now building a formalized um, training and mentorship program for artists that bring them in all the way at the exploration stage of saying, I'm not quite sure what I do, but I want to, I know I want to do something. And then in the really early startup phases of them making it into, you know, if not their only career, at least a significant you know, part of their profession and providing the resources, you know, sort of that easy button. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, also being able to then coach and mentor them, connect them with other people that can support and to really support them as well financially and give them the opportunity to do these things. You know, we'll even do fundraisers where, where we donate our time and our artists um, for various nonprofits that want to raise money and want to do something creative and fun. And, um, and we'll, so we'll do those things and donate our time and allow them to sort of reap the rewards of that. So we're constantly looking for ways to build other people up and allow them to, you know, to do the good work they're doing. You know, really, I view us as the, you know, we're here to help the people that are out on doing the amazing work, both in the community, um, you know, in the art space, but also just, um, you know, to really benefit our broader community. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, you definitely, 
do like a billion things you know normally <laughs> for, my, for my interviews I have a list of set questions but I'm glad I took you early because we'll probably be here all day <laughs> <laughs> I don't sit still very well that, that uh, <laughs> it's always been a challenge for me <laughs> yeah so say for instance um when did you find your passion for uh you said aerial or like trapezing uh-huh yeah i yeah. started that gosh that was probably 2014 ish at this point so about six years ago mm-hmm. nice and it was nice. sort of by accident i really was just looking for something i could do that was fun that would build my upper body i'm you know, not somebody that necessarily is self-motivated to go lift weights at a gym. And so I knew I had to, to find something that didn't feel like quote exercise that, you know, I could go and enjoy and then it would just build up muscle and, and strength while I was doing something I really enjoyed. And I think what really attracted me honestly, and kept me coming back was, you know, it's an inherently fun discipline. You know, you just, you do really interesting things and I'm a lifelong learner. I love to learn new things and there's no shortage of you know, it's constant learning, constant new things, but then it's the community too. There's just something about, you know, it's different than going to, you know, a discipline that's maybe more widely familiarized in the community. There's a pretty small niche of people that actually do this with regularity and you get to be very close with them because you're constantly in, in the space training with them together, sharing ideas, you know, saying, Hey, can you take a look at this? Or can you record me? And, um, you know, or ooh, how'd you do that? Can you teach me that? And um, it's just, I made a lot of friends along the way and really enjoyed the company of the people in addition to the, the enjoyment of the art form itself. Yeah. Now you're a dog person, which I love because I don't like cats. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I feel, I feel like they don't need us. You know, they're too independent. I want something that, you know, depends on me. But uh-huh. uh, what is it about dogs that you like? Oh, uh, it really is that that connection. And it's I think for people who aren't dog people, it's very difficult to describe. But just like you said, they they look to you and they are there for your back. I'll tell you, when I was out on disability and essentially bedridden with back pain and you know, really uncertain, frankly, some days how I was gonna continue to go on if it persisted. I had a a dog at the time, a golden retriever that literally would not leave the foot of my bed. And and (laughs) my husband would say, you know, you have to get up and come to the kitchen, please, so that the dog will eat his dinner because he's not going to leave your side. So like he won't eat his dinner unless you come out here. And uh, that kind of loyalty and genuine unfettered support and love, you know, we, we unfortunately as humans can sometimes not be the best to animals and they're so forgiving and loving and, and honestly, a lot of times beyond what we deserve. And it's yeah. that unconditional love and support and dedication. And that's just, it's un, unmatched, you know, really interesting. Yeah. I, I was born in the year of the dog. I, I consider myself dog. Like, you know, I have, a I love it. Personality. Now I'm not, I don't have a dog finish now. I got to make that known because some people, <laughs> you know, they have horse and, you know, did you see that uh, 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 video I shared where like there was a horse finish? I thought yes. that was like, I was like, this is a thing, you know? <laughs> You're like, what? You know, they're like, yes, I paid $2,000 a month just to dress up like a horse with my wife. And that I was is like, so, and, and you're not the first person to post that. I've seen that a couple of times and I'm like, well, that is definitely unique. Um, yeah, I try not to judge, but like, I'm just like, wow, that is so far, you know, different than my daily experience that I'm like, that's um, interesting for sure. <laughs> yeah. Now there's a. Oh, in um, Colorado, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, going there you know, <laughs> to, for the experience. But don't give me milk. Give me Bailey's Bailey's Irish cream. That's all I ask. <laughs> right? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you tell somebody that would want to run away and join the circus? Oh, great. You know, that's such a great question. And I think that the most important thing is 
circus may seem like it's inaccessible. You know, we all have, or many of us have seen, gone to shows where we see these elite performers doing these, frankly, miraculous feats, um, you know, way in the air. And it can seem beautiful, but very inaccessible uh, because it's Mm -hmm. unknown to a lot of people. I, I frankly, you know, it's amazing to me how many people I encounter that don't know that you can take a class or, um, hire a performer for, you know, a private event or, um, you know, all of these things. And, and my biggest message is, you know, I have students that have gone on to become professional performers. I have students that frankly, you know, our victory dance happens when they're, they can finally pull themselves up off the ground. Um, but it is so accessible and there's so many different apparatuses and disciplines and ways that we can modify to fit individuals you know, conditioning level or body type or interest that don't be shy. Don't, if you're interested in trying it out, you can find someone to work with you and, um, you know, don't let it be discouraging when you see these professionals doing these feats and, and make you think you could never do it. I started at age 40 and I, I perform as a professional now. Um, so if, if I can do that, you can too. Nice. Nice. So I want to talk about dance a little bit. What's your oh, favorite Oh, so many. Style and you know, dance? for me, it's a little bit of which do I like to watch versus perform. Um, you know, there are certain disciplines. Obviously, being a dance minor, I had to do all of the traditional styles, modern, ballet, jazz. And while I enjoy watching ballet, it was my least favorite to, to actually do. I don't think my body is really cut out uh, for that discipline. Uh, my favorite... <laughs> Yeah, I uh, being a musical theater kid, I you know they advised yep. us to at least get our feet wet in everything, which I did, except for uh, African fun. dance, which I would love to try. But college, I went to yeah, I went to college, right, college, right. and we barely had him. <laughs> so I was glad that we had that. So yeah, you know, yeah. it was a very white college, so um, we didn't have you know African dance per se. But I would love to like try it out one day, see who's having yeah, it. Yeah, it is any, so fun. I actually, when I was living in know, Atlanta, had the opportunity to try it out, and it was just such a delightful and pure form of dance. I really enjoyed it. I um, historically have spent most of my time as I've progressed doing both Broadway jazz and tap. And tap has been an interesting thing. I actually went away from it for quite some time and have recently rediscovered it. It's an unfortunate thing of dancing for decades is, um, and also just doing normal activities like running <laughs> that your knees start to age with you. And so I used to love hip hop. That used to actually be my favorite, but now it's just too painful um, for my knees. And so I've had to finally acknowledge that maybe that wasn't the best for me right now. And I'm starting to rediscover some of these other dance forms like tap that are a little more forgiving to my knees, but can also be really creative and fun in their own way. Yeah. Uh, for oh, me, I it love was tap, hip hop, oh, and ballroom. ballroom. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite. Any any partner dance, whether it was the waltz, uh, merengue, or uh, I mean, I guess if oh, I, I had to it. pick one, it would be swing dancing. Yep. Or yep. waltz. And there's something like about the music, partner work. You I know? you know I failed to mention earlier when I was describing the various types of aerial I do that probably my favorite thing to do is duo work in the air. And I just think that the possibilities, first of all, I just love the human connection, but you know, there's so many amazing things an individual can do. And then you put them together and it's almost like one plus one is three because each one of you can do amazing things. And then you can do some like such creative things together that a a single human body can't do. It's just like all these other dimensions you can explore. Yeah. Nice. So how has uh, COVID affected you, your business, as well um, as your performing? This year has been one for the record books um, and and even on a personal level um, and for all of my businesses, actually. um, I lost my father to COVID in May, um, which was, yeah, it was devastating. Oh, sorry Um, to hear that. He had fought a long battle with Alzheimer's and was in a memory care facility and unfortunately contracted it there. And I think... You know, the, the harder part for people who haven't had to go through it is 
you know, it's, it's one thing. And obviously he was high risk and, and nearing the end of his life, but for him to have to die without his family by his side was just heartbreaking, you know? And so my, my heart goes out to anyone listening to the podcast that has to go through yeah. something like that. It is, you really can't describe it until you've been through it. That my day job as a medical director, I'll tell you, has been insanely busy. Um, a lot of, you know, I work with over 1200 companies around the country and, you know, a lot of my time has been just getting educated and helping them understand it. And we've gone through these phases. First, it was they didn't know, you know, what to do and, and what to expect. And, and certainly we've had some very complicated cases that my team is working on. But then even simple things like how do we know when it's the right time to go back and how do we make people feel safe? Um, so it's been very incredibly busy. But the, the small business has been a huge challenge. And I think that's another thing that you know, if it, for folks that have a, a, quote, traditional salary day job and it's not in an industry like the arts that have been impacted the way that, that we have been, it's difficult to understand the magnitude of this. But, you know, trying to – I have four physical locations, so I have still ongoing bills with essentially zero revenue. <laughs> um, we've, we've now had to reinvent ourselves. Uh, you know, yeah. in a way, it's been a little bit of a silver lining because we were so busy – pre-shutdown that, you know, it's very hard to do some of these bigger things like launch our online platform and suddenly everything physical and in, in person came to a screeching halt and it was like, okay, universe said it's time to think about the next chapter. And, um, and I think we're going to emerge for, with, you know, from this experience with some really amazing things that have developed where, you know, for example, we have all these great circus performer friends around the country and I don't have time to travel everywhere to see them. Now we're doing classes where I'm here with our students on site and they can have their private rooms. But if they need me to come help them get a move, I can just run into the room real quick. And the teacher's on Zoom. So I, one of my friends and instructors that lives in Canada now teaches for us twice a week online. And, and we all get together and she's remote, but we've built this really amazing community. And, and Oddly enough, now, as people are moving away to other cities, they're like, well, this is great because I can still come to class. It doesn't matter where I am. Right. Um, and so that's been really fun. But it's definitely stressful, you know, to try to. And, and I think the most stressful thing is not knowing when it's going to actually return to normal. You know, one of our our theater clients that would come here and rent for several weeks at a time that performs at the majestic downtown, you know, we don't know when they'll have another season and, um, and, and for things to happen so dramatically overnight and you just literally every day feel like, okay, how are we going to get through this? You know, and, and when is it going to get back to normal for the arts? Um, kind of a scary time. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm actually uh, working on something. I'm working on a musical, actually. And, you know, I'm, you know, trying to find a theater yeah. that would let us in. You know what I mean? It's the hardest thing. I'm just like, if if we can't have an audience, yep. can we at least tape it with yep, your equipment exactly. for free? And that's you know where we're I trying mean? to step in. I mean, we're, we're in this interesting place in the ecosystem. I, I always like to tell people, you know, we're here for that. That's exactly what, what my community here and my staff here are all about. We're all about helping people unstick their, their progress forward. And I feel like this has given us a real opportunity to, to dust that off and to say, you know, we have all these people are trying to get work done. And the nature, the versatility of not only our spaces, but our skill sets and being able to help people work through issues about, you know, don't recreate the wheel. Like if you need help figuring out how to do something on Zoom, we can help you. We've got all these resources. We have private spaces that people can rent um, that are very safe to do their work and live stream from there. So you know, we're just trying to help people and, and say, raise our hand and say, we're here. If you need help, you know, give us a ring and let us know. And we'll see if we, we don't have a resource that we can't help you with. Because, you know, honestly, we're all in this together right now in the arts. It's we have to build, you know, build each other up, support each other. It's the only way our our passions are going to survive this. Yeah. Oh, Who's my. your favorite dance teacher? Oh, Alvin Ailey was, you know, not, not that I've taken with Alvin Ailey personally, but if I think about, um, you know, really disciplines and in instructors that I've trained with that have um, done that style, oh, so powerful. It's, there's so much emotion in Alvin Ailey's work. Um, his troupe is just stunning to watch. And um, 
I just, I really enjoy that. Yeah. Who's your top three favorite dancers? I don't even know that I could name them all. (laughs) Because I think the disciplines are so different. It's like, like if you, if I think about, wow, like who do, who do I like think is just amazing. And for example, ballroom, right. is like very different than who I would think is amazing in hip hop. Right. So, um, and I'm going to take a pass on that one and noodle yeah. on it for a while. It's like, Oh, if I had to narrow it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I guess what dancers, when you watch make you feel the most, I guess that's what the yeah. real and I, I do was. go back to, I think, you know, Alvin Ailey and, and his legacy have been just incredibly powerful for me. And, and it's, you know, I, it's one of those things where I think different, dance styles different forms connect with people in different ways and i think that's what makes it beautiful is you know there there is something it's another one of those disciplines where there's so much variety that you know you may not love watching ballet or performing ballet but you may love swing <laughs> right and and so i i think they you know, for whatever reason the inner workings of the human mind are very complex um, certain things are going to appeal to certain people and for me um, I go back to Alvin Ailey every time and say, you know, this this moves me in in ways I can't describe. Yeah, I would have to say my three would be. Uh, oh, I love Fosse. That'd be my number two yeah, after really... Alvin Ailey for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to see. Definitely Michael Jackson because he could catch on like right? really, really quickly. Oh, yeah like super fast i remember looking at the behind the scenes of the, the whiz and you know diana ross was like michael you're making me look bad but she's <laughs> a diva she was supposed to be the star she was supposed to be catching on quicker right? than everybody else and and you know he would just do it once and he would be right. like okay i got it and there's another um the hip-hop dancer called yes. Wilder beast adams like he's oh, built yeah. an empire you know, so I definitely like him. And there's a lot of younger dancers, too, like um, Jay Chinoth that I enjoy uh, watching. And um, Casey Rice also, I think she's very good. She has a lot of emotion and that, attitude. That's, that's it to me. I'm like, the technical skills are beautiful, don't get me wrong. But for me personally, as a consumer of the art form, if there's not palpable emotion coming out of those movements it just doesn't resonate with me you know i you know it's one thing to sit there and go oh that was beautiful that was amazing and that obviously required it was a huge physical feat but but and and just i'm the same way when i watch circus um you know i i want to feel what you're feeling i want you to tell me a story or convey an emotion a, a human experience through your movement and frankly i and i again that go back to like that's why it's accessible because you don't have to have a crazy over split you know, or be able to put both feet on your head to be able to really express and connect with humans on that level. Um, and so to me, I'll take connectivity and emotion over, um, you know, the, the craziest skills in the book every day of the week. Yeah. And like, it was cool seeing her because when she was younger, she couldn't control her emotions. Right. And she had a lot of it. And I, I remember me saying whenever she gets older and actually learns, because she's good now, but when she actually learns how to control it, you know, and I think she's like 16 or 17 now and she has learned to control it. And it's like, it's, it's beautiful, man. Wow. It's, it's beautiful. Amazing. And, um, but, but that's what art is all about. I say this all the time, but I feel like art is definitely supposed to provoke emotion like you're not supposed to come out on the other side the same way if you do then the show or the dancer you've seen has clearly failed yep yeah it's uh and again you know not everyone is i I think it would be unrealistic to say well you know everyone that walks in is going to walk out because you know certain things relate to certain humans in different ways but Gosh darn it, if everybody walks out of your theater and says, that was pretty, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm yeah. like, I'm not sure that's necessarily um, what most of us in, in the arts would consider success. Yeah, and I don't care what the emotion is. Just right. so I change it. That's yep. the goal right there. Exactly. That's the goal. So yeah, the other, thing, your- um, the other thing that really for me 
is as a consumer of the arts speaks to me is pushing the envelope and being creative in the way that we connect with people. Um, we have, yeah. and, and being a multidisciplinary arts co-op has been amazingly fun to watch because, you know, it's one thing, you know, if I keep seeing the same circus trick on Instagram, every, it's like the trick of the day, right. Or the trick of the week, everybody, it's like, okay, great. Okay. You're the 11,000th person that just posted that pose. <laughs> great. But you know, I, that I get bored pretty easily. I'm like, I want to see something different and new. I want, I want to see something that pushes my thinking. And, um, and, and it's been really fun to connect to these various art forms and see what, what pops out. I, I'll never forget being on a, a trip for my quote day job and getting a text message. It turned out that we have a nonprofit drum line that um, I rent my space to for free. And back to our community question, they approached me and say, we're starting a nonprofit to benefit underprivileged youth. And obviously, you know, we, we're a startup and we're a nonprofit, you know, would you be willing to allow us to use the space? And I said, you know, I, I believe in what you're doing. Um, and so let me, you know, arrange for you to use the space. And they just happened to be up there one day practicing when photo and it's a clown on stilts playing a snare drum. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Right. And so it's a, a place where it never ceases to amaze me the the creative things that folks come up to when you just put some brilliant minds together and they, they see what they can do. Definitely. Definitely. I wish I had more dancer questions for you, but apparently knowing technology, it got deleted some kind of way. Does that ever happen to you? I don't know if you have an iPhone, but like sometimes I'll write something down in my notes and then I'll be like, where where it disappeared? (laughs) (laughs) That's like the story of my life. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Who's your top three actors of all time? Oh, hmm. That's a good one. So many. And, and, you know, it's interesting for the longest time because of my school and those things, I actually wasn't very connected with certainly the, the sort of on, on screen um, genres this is when I'm like, I need more coffee. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, Oh, what have I seen? That was just like incredibly moving. Um, you know, um, oh, why am I going to have a, um, complete blank, but, um, yeah. the actress that is, that is in silence of the lambs. What is her name? Silence of the, hold on. Let me fact check you really quick. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my gosh. Why is her name escaping me? Let's see. Jodie Foster. Yes, thank you. Yeah. I was like right on the tip of my tongue. And, and I, I actually really enjoy watching her, I think because of her versatility. Um, it gets back to that. To me, you know, I want to be surprised uh, and I want to see the full range of an actor or actress's capabilities um and and see them see their interpretation of a variety of roles um as opposed to typecasting you know there are certain people that really just excel in a certain type of role which is fantastic but to me to take someone and and see how they embody a certain character and then for them to do something in a totally different type of character and see how they interpret that is really fascinating um, to watch. Uh, Denzel Washington, I have to say, I'm trying to think of folks that I've watched recently too. And, you know, that I think in the same thing, you know, he's, he has some commonality to the roles that he plays, yeah. but also, also variety. And I think for me, what draws me to him is something a little different, which is more the authenticity, um, almost as if I can see him just embodying, you know, really taking it internally. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, say for instance, in my opinion, him, Robin Williams, and Jack oh, Nicholson, yes. they have the yep. same acting style. Cause you know, with Robin Williams, he was himself, but he yes. was also like the character, like say for instance, Goodwill hunting, he was himself at like a yep. one uh, patch Adams. He was himself at like a nine, Mrs. Doubtfire, was him at like a five. And that's how Jack Nicholson and Denzel Washington act too. Like yes. they, they are the characters, 
but they're like themselves too because um exactly you know and, and sometimes people mistake that and they're like oh they don't have range because they put themselves in the character versus a method actor like um uh the guy that played the joker you know i was just about to bring that up so and i was literally sitting here with his name on the tip of my tongue you know there was a lot of controversy around this most recent release of the joker and it was fascinating to watch the commentary it was one of those things that I feel like people either really, really loved or really, really didn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and that's fine. And that's what art should be, right? Um, for me, that movie was absolutely incredible. Oh, yeah. um, and being a healthcare provider, to have someone so authentically show what you know, mental health can look like and to, to help people understand what that is, um, is it was incredible and completely unexpected to me. You know, here I'm thinking like, oh, we're going to get another Batman series movie, right? And then I walked out like, oh my gosh, we just had the most amazing statement and portrayal of issues in our society and mental health and some really challenging topics and how brave to go and really put yourself to lose this weight and to just commit yourself to this role wholly. Yeah. Um, to advance that message was so powerful. Yeah, and he really acted with his whole body. Like, you could yes. see his mind thinking, or you could see his, like, finger twitching, or, you know, like, yeah. you know, his acting was amazing. I, to me, that was his best work. I agree. I absolutely agree. He's grown so much as an actor, and, and you know, really, it's that that sense that he was fully into this role that he committed himself. Um, I, I, I'm sure, you know, certainly we go through some of that when we're performing as dancers or circus artists, but you know, I'm not typically in a role longitudinally like that. And I can only imagine, you know, the, the frankly personal toll that can take on you and to be brave enough to go in and dedicate yourself in that way, knowing it could very well, be challenging for you personally to have to be that deep in those challenging topics is incredibly brave. Yeah. Now, who are your top three? What's your top three favorite movies of all time? Oh, hmm. Um, good question. Very good question. So, uh, I didn't, like I said, I didn't watch a lot of movies for the longest time. I, you know, usually I would say early in my life, it was the dance movies um, that I really enjoyed just because I think for me, that was more relatable. Um, it's kind of like why I read a lot of nonfiction as opposed to fiction, um, just because I, I feel like I can be connected to that. You know, even some of the early movies, as cheesy as it sounds like, you know, Footloose and and fame and, you know, some of those, it just, for me to see those before center stage, you know, there, there was a whole, um, a whole number of them, but I would say more recently as I've grown up, you know, as tw 25, 30 years later, I think the things that attract me now are very different. Um, I recently saw the movie about the, the woman boxer, uh -huh. um, and that, that story and was incredibly moved by that, even though I have no connection to necessarily boxing. Yeah. I have no experience in that arena and, and what have you. But again, it was that, that watching that human portrayal in the context of, of a topic that was very moving to me. So yeah, um, it's my, my tastes are shifting over time. Yeah. And if you like those movies, there's a, uh, there's a movie that just came out on Netflix called Work It with Liza Koshy and Ooh. Sabrina Carpenter and Jordan Fisher. And I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list, but I heard it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was another one I saw recently too. And gosh, I really am like, maybe, maybe nine 30 in the morning is the wrong time to have to recall names of things. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee yet. Um, but it was about a lawyer who works for inmates on death row. And I'm always a sucker, by the way, for movies based on real life stories. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it was such a powerful portrayal, again, of someone committing themselves to a cause at personal, you know, putting themselves at risk for something they believe in that, that pure commitment to mission 
was so powerful to me. And again, so unexpected. It was one of those things where, you know, we're on quarantine. I've seen, I've probably seen more movies in the last six months than I have in the last 20 years. And, uh, you know, we just happened upon it one day and said, well, this is interesting. It's, it literally had like a thousand reviews of five stars. And I was like, okay, really can't go wrong. And, you know, turned it on and was just at the end was just blown away and said, you know, the, I think it was Jamie Foxx actually was the, the main actor and, to just to, to hear that story not only the acting itself um and the the actual screenplay but then to think about and to re i'm, I'm the one who's always googling them the actual story <laughs> and and to find out like the the thankless um job and the the commitment against all odds to pursue what what one believes in was incredibly moving to me nice nice so with that being said um what are your top three songs of all time? Oh, songs. So many. I sing them all the time. Ah, I, I kind of go back and forth. Um, it depends on the mood I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I want a movie, uh, a song, sorry, that can offset some emotions I'm feeling. So, you know, if, if, if I'm having a lot of stress or whatever, sometimes I'm looking for a song that's just a, a pick me up, a good old, and I, I'm, a, you know, I'm a kid of the eighties. <laughs> if yeah. we're going to talk real age. So you, you were talking about Michael Jackson and I was like, Oh, that's absolutely right. I'll, I'll take a good Michael Jackson song any day. In fact, my favorite show, my favorite Cirque du Soleil show I've ever seen was actually Michael Jackson one yeah. um, because it had the music, it had the dance and the circus. To me, it was like, you know, the, the best of all worlds. Oh um, yeah. That, that was my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite Michael Jackson compilation albums. Yes. Yeah. And Billy Jean in particular, oddly enough, and um, you know, I really do like the complexity and the the backstory. And you know, it's an interesting song because if you just listen to it, I can remember singing it as a kid. And gosh, I had no idea what the song was about. It was just kind of a had a good beat to it, you know, and um, a cool sound. And then as you start to really listen to the lyrics and start to understand the the significance of the storyline behind it is just really intriguing to me as an adult. So it's been one of those that sort of persisted over time for me. Yeah. 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 Other songs that, that I really connected with, Oh, there was one and I, I'm failing to recall even at this point who the, the artist was, but a song uh, purely about dancing, um, you know, sort of when life's getting you down and, you know, you got to pick yourself back up, you know, it might have even been called just dance or something like that. And I used to have that one on my, my phone, just in case I was having a tough day and, and needed to kind of reground myself that, you know, there's heavy things in life, but there are things that bring you back up as well. Um, and, and I'm also that person, by the way, who, if you turn on music with a beat, um, I can't stand still <laughs> I yeah. can't hold myself even at a public place. And so, so there were just some days I was like, I just, I have to turn this um, on, but then there's some days that I'm in the mood for something slower, um, whether it's a, it's sort of deep and heavy or whether it's, you know, lighter, um, and soothing. Um, there's just, it kind of depends on the mood for me, which one mm-hmm. is going to resonate. Yeah. Now, top three singers. Oh, well, you know, I think that this is starting to become quickly the Michael Jackson <laughs> episode. Um, maybe because he had it all, right? I mean, yeah, he definitely. A, what a remarkable. He, he definitely was the bar, I will say that. Right, right. Um, three singers. Hmm. Let's see. You know, interestingly enough, I Prince, I would have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I think some of the, you know, if you growing up, uh, you're probably sensing a theme here, but it's like growing up, it was just cool music, yeah. right? <laughs> and then as you got older and really understood what was behind some of the, the lyrics and the, the depth of the, of the real emotion. Um, I also, you know, I failed to mention earlier, I've played piano since I was eight years old. And so I always enjoy performers that are, you know, both singers and pianists. So, um, you know, even Billy Joel, Alicia Keys, you know, those always Elton John, you know, those performers always really speak to me on multiple levels because of the, 
you know, incorporation of the the piano. And I always find that amazing. I'm like, you know, as someone who's played the piano for most of their life, you know, that's hard enough. <laughs> um, John Legend even, right? I, I just, you know, I'm these people that can do these like incredibly, John Legend's an interesting one. And, and I, I like him more and more um, as, as time goes on. He has a really interesting story. And as someone who worked for, you know, a household name, big consulting firm coming out of my MBA program. Um, he's an incredibly intelligent guy. Um, and to see, you know, everything that he's built for himself that, and, and some, as someone who really wants to help artists understand the business of the arts and how to really make something out of it, he is such an incredible role model and does so much to give back to aspiring artists that, you know, I not only love his music, but I actually love what he's doing for the art form in and of itself. I agree 100%. Yeah. So uh, you said earlier that you liked uh, Broadway jazz. Do you have a thing for Broadway? Oh, I absolutely do. In fact, uh, I mentioned the, the group that has been using our space um, over their past season to rehearse. Um, for their shows, they did a really powerful. Um, so the group is Lyric Stage. I'm not sure if you've seen any of their work. They they perform down at the Majestic. Um, they their last season started with a rendition of Evita, um, which was incredible um, and especially fun for me. So really, uh, a little side note: I live in one of my four warehouses, and and it's connected to the one that they use for their rehearsal space. And so this was literally the best gift for me because they would rehearse and I would just sit on the other side of the door in my apartment singing along. <laughs> and wow. I'm not, I'm not a good singer. So it was really fun for me to be able to do that in private, but um, yeah, it's so, so much joy to, to listen to the music. They did a really, really great show called Marette, um, which is a less known story um, but their rendition was really fantastic. And it, oddly enough, it was like all of my favorite things rolled into one. It, it's, a, it's actually a, a Broadway style musical about circus, uh, about a tightrope walker. Um, and I won't tell you the whole story. If you haven't seen it, it's a really great show. But what was especially fun for me, not only that it was around something that I love, but they had come to me and said, you know, we would love to put two dancers in a lira hoop. And so I was able to work with them, coach their dancers, um, and then help them, you know, rig the equipment and, and do those things. And so for me, that was the, like, it was everything. I got to sing along as they rehearsed and I got to work with them on, on teaching some of their performers some new skills and then go and sit in the theater and watch it all play out it was so much fun. Nice, nice. Yeah, that does sound like fun. So if you could sing, what uh, what would be some of your dream roles? Oh, gosh, if I could sing, I'd, well, to be honest, I, I would, if I could have sang, I, I probably would have gone more towards Broadway. <laughs> um, you know, it's interesting to me. I always, people are always like, oh, do you ever wish you, you would have maybe delayed or, or fully gone after the arts instead of doing. And, and you probably career. still can. Cause like, uh, you don't really have to sing, sing in order right. to be a Broadway star. Like me, I'm very good at Broadway musicals, but I'll never make like my own R and B album. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. You know, it's, um, Gosh, I love bra. I, you know, I, I did, I performed, like I said, on stage with dance roles. Um, had I had a little more formal coaching and uh, earlier on in my career, I, I really would have loved to done, you know, more Broadway style theater um, would have been fantastic. I'm not sure that I ever, you know, it's a, a funny thing when you get to, to be nearing, nearing the half century mark, you start to get a little bit introspective on your life. And, you know, yes, of course, I, I always... Um, jealous, but, you know, incredibly supportive, but a bit jealous of my younger friends who have, you know, really been able to make their artistic passion, their full-time career. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, the, the, the work that I do in medicine is gratifying in such a different way for me. And my brain, I think needs both um, to be truly happy. And, you know, that means I can't run away and join the circus. So I've had to get creative. I've had to to bring the circus to me, right. And find opportunities to share my passion and my form of art here, um, in the Dallas area, because I can't necessarily 
stop my full-time job and just go run away. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of building my own way to do that. Um, but yeah, wow. To be, to have, you know, to, in hindsight, you know, if I had been able to, or if I'd been offered the opportunity to, to be on Broadway or do something like that for a couple of years before medical school, oh, that would have been amazing. <laughs> nice. Nice. Now, how did you get the idea to start your own company? Yeah, you know, it really was accidental. That's the life's interesting that way. Sometimes, um, you know, the universe knows a little better about you, what you should be doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, it, it will just drop it right in front of your face and be like, yep, nope, this is what's happening. Um, and so when, when I first bought this space, it, I never intended to really run a business. I literally bought the space to rent it back to my coach. Um, and then a year and a half later, the universe said to me, there's really something magical. Now, I will say I was attracted to this particular space because it did already have the recording studio in it. And as someone who has, you know, dabbled in the visual arts, been a lifelong musician, lifelong dancer, um, I, I the appeal of the versatility of the space and the really interesting community members that were in it, to me, it really spoke to me. Um, I didn't realize that's what I was going to be doing, though. It wasn't until I was faced with this option of, you know, okay, my my 100% renter tenant has now moved out. Do I close the space or move on and make it a thing? And I, I will forever be grateful to Russ Sherrick, who is the head of a group called Circus Freaks um, that does more ground-based circus um, arts, who I just, happy, he happened to be in the space one day and I was lamenting the, I'm not really sure if I should shut it down, if I should try to reinvent it. And he said, you know, what you're doing here is needed. It's different. Um, and if you build it, they will come. And, and I will remember those words to this day. Cause it was literally, I came home and said, okay, here we go. <laughs> right? Sink or swim. This is either going to be amazing or it's going to be, it's going to go like flop. Right. But we're, we're going to try, you know, and, and to then sit back and say, we had to start over from scratch and, and develop a logo and a brand and a vision and hire staff and get processes in place. And, um, to have people continually come back and say, this is so important um, for the arts. And, and especially for, you know, like you touched on it earlier, it's, you know, people who can't necessarily afford or aren't established enough to necessarily work with the big groups, right? And they're also not a nonprofit, mm-hmm. right? So many burgeoning artists are, are not a nonprofit. And a lot of resources out there are targeted towards nonprofits, which is amazing. But if you don't have a nonprofit, you know, who do you go to for help? And so we found this niche and to watch, I, I was literally telling someone on Friday um, who said, you know, does it ever disappoint you when one of your artists sort of graduates, if you will, they, right? They've, they've become established enough that now they are working with the bigger um, resources or they're moving and they're joining a troupe and going to perform. And I said, you know, it's always bittersweet um, to see people go. But to me, that that's when we've made it, right? That's when I see someone that started out with just a dream and then they turned it into reality, um, that's, that's success in my mind. And, and we're actually working right now on an alumni program um, to keep those people engaged and that, to connect the next set of burgeoning artists with mentors in the space who have made it work. Um, and so that's, to me, that's what we're here for. And so yeah. while it is bittersweet to say goodbye, um, to watch them grow and achieve their dreams, there's no greater gift. Yeah. Now, how did you get the, uh, money for the building? <laughs> that's the other, the, I, I will say the other nice thing about having a day job. <laughs> is that, um, yeah, it's, it's starting a small business. And I, I was laughing the other day. I said, you know, there's all of these statistics out there about, you know, how many small businesses fail in the first year, first five years, first 10 years, it's well over half. Right. Um, and then I said, well, they, they're going to have to redo all the statistics because then there's going to be this asterisk that said, but if you were a small business owner during COVID, <laughs> those, those percentages are going to be a lot higher. Yeah. Um, the one thing, frankly, that allowed me, gave me the resources to start it, to actually, uh, you know, obtain the first space, but also to survive as long as we have during this dramatic shutdown have been, has been the amazing job that I have, uh, in medicine, um, that thankfully is, um, very reliable and, um, compensates me very well for, for the work that I do. So I'm internally grateful. Um, and also I will say that the company I work for, um, a little bit of a shout out to Lockton, who's my employer. 
you know, when they hired me, they very well knew about my, my passion in the arts and my small business and my circus. And it wasn't even, you know, people sometimes ask me like, did, are they ever, you know, against the fact that, you know, you also have this thing. And I said, no, it's actually quite the opposite. Um, they, they really appreciate the, the dimensions. Um, and the fact that that, you know, brings insights and create creative juices to the way that I approach our other business, that it's not uncommon for our CEO to be out talking with clients and saying, Oh, you have to I have to check out our Instagram page. Yeah. <laughs> and so they, their full unfettered support and appreciation that this is who I am. It frankly, it's such a big part of my life that I would be unhappy without it. And they under, really understand that for people to be successful, they need to also be happy um, has been a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah. So yeah, thankfully uh, that's keeping me going and keeping our small business going during the uh, pandemic, uh -huh. which is, I'm very grateful for. Yeah. What advice would you give somebody, you know, that's a young business owner or trying to own their own business? What advice would you give them? I would say don't try to do everything on your own. Um, in fact, I probably some days have to tell myself the same thing. Um, you know, at first when I you know started this business, when I did the re-envisioning and really made this into the arts co-op, I was literally trying to build everything from scratch, you know, HR procedures and, um, you know, legal things and you name it, right? Logistics and, and all these things. And I've come to the realization that you know, we're each good at our own things and it's okay not to be good at everything. And also, you know, you got to understand what are those things that you bring to the table and then surround yourself with people and resources that complement those um, so that you're not having to try to do it all. There's just no way to do it all yourself. And, you know, finding those people, those resources that can help you and allow you to really focus on what you're good at and what you bring to the table, whether that's your, you know, you bring your social network, you bring obviously your content, you know, you want to focus on those things. And I've really more recently gotten to even outsourcing things like marketing and HR and, and those sorts of things to professional firms because they do it better. You know, it is a bit of an investment and you have to make sure you're financially able. Um, but that's also where groups like ours you know, we can, we are sort of an aggregator. So, you know, we've built these processes, we have these relationships and we can help individuals tap into them. Don't try to do it by yourself. It's just too much. And I think that's why a lot of folks fail because they, they get in and they realize just how many things you have to deal with, even from legal contracting and all these other things. And, you know, that's not why anyone wants to go into this usually. <laughs> nobody, nobody starts a business as an artist to do their own accounting and legal work. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, not to be bashful about feeling like you have to do it yourself, but to, to connect with others who can help coach and guide you and provide you those resources to allow you to really focus on what you're good at mm -hmm. um, and let other people, you know, there are other people that love to do, I, I'm so grateful. There are people that love to do accounting. I hate it <laughs> and I'm not yeah. good at it. Like, you know, and so, you know, you, you don't want to spend your time and you don't have to necessarily recreate the wheel every time. So finding those people that have already been through it and can help coach you can give you access to resources is my best advice. The other is to the extent possible, it's not always possible, you know, in retrospect, like I would have gone about a lot of things differently had I planned at the outset to run an arts co-op instead of doing it sort of as by accident. Mm -hmm. But the more, to the more extent you can plan ahead um, and have a pathway, even if that direction changes, you know, some people are like, well, you know, I'm not really sure where I'm going to go with this. So I'm not going to necessarily write it all. I'm like, no, set your path. You know, you've got to have a, a one year, three year, five year goal it may change, right? You may come back in a year and say, you know what, my, my five-year goal has shifted, right? Because guess what? We're in a pandemic yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. But if you don't have a, a place that you're headed um, and a vision, uh, there's no way to actually, you're just moving in chaotic fashion then. You're not actually driving. Um, it's better to have some goals in mind and to move towards them. And then if that, you know, needs to zigzag a little bit because you, you shifted the end point, then so be it. Um, but at least you're focusing your energies toward something specific as opposed to, you know, this nebulous, well, I really enjoy this. So I'm just going to try to make something. Well, what are you trying to, you know, I, in fact, um, anytime I get someone new to our community, I say, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve? You know, what, what are you hoping to get out of this? You know, are you looking to make money? Are you, you know, looking for acknowledgement? Are you looking to, 
you know, you don't care if anybody ever sees your work, you just want to do it for your own personal enjoyment. Like what are your goals um, so that we can figure out what we need to do to help you get there? Yeah. And my last two questions are, what's your mission statement and to whom do you owe your success? Like who's your role models, people that you looked up to and what made you a third one? What made you choose the location that you choose? Oh, can I go in reverse order? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the location one is, is definitely the easiest one of the three. Um, you know, it was really, well, first of all, when we were actually starting the search, I mentioned that originally the plan was to um, lease space instead of buy. Um, with circus, there are some very specific requirements that narrow the list pretty quickly. So, you know, for example, you know, you have to have a certain height ceiling, but then you, you know, there were all these warehouses we looked at that had really high ceilings and no air conditioning. And I'm like, I can't put a performer 25 feet in the air in a hundred degrees with no air conditioning. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, it narrows the list pretty fast. Uh, we also have a lot of younger and frankly, um, a lot of women, um, young women who are coming into our spaces you know, at off hours on the weekend and late at night. So it had to be in a part of town that was both accessible um, that, you know, it's a niche thing and we draw performers from all over the Metroplex. And so to be sort of centrally located and accessible, but also safe um, was really important to us. And then, you know, we narrowed that down and started looking at some spaces. And then it was really the moment that I walked into the recording studio was the day that I said, you know, this, this is where we need to be because I, I didn't even know. It was almost like when, when people say, you know, Apple showed you the iPhone and you didn't even know you needed an iPhone or a smartphone until you saw it, right? That, that was exactly what happened to me with this space. It just spoke to me. I said, oh my gosh, this space is so unique and has so much possibility, not just for circus, but, you know, in many different art forms um, that I just knew I was home. You know, I just had that gut feeling. I said, you know, this is, this is the place that will get us to where we're, we're trying to go. Um, so tell me now, the, remind me the second question. The second question was to whom you owe your success? Who was your role models, people that you looked up to? Yeah, you know, um, people I looked up to, but then also people who stuck by me. Uh, and I think, you know, maybe that was even the bigger key to success. Um, I certainly have had people I've looked up to with respect to them you know, being successful in their own right. I have a, a personal friend and, and shout out to my, my friend, Connie, who runs an aerial school in um, Atlanta. And, I, you know, what really inspired me, she had started her own business, but I think the thing that inspired me the most is that she stuck to her core principles, even when maybe it wasn't the easiest path forward. Um, certainly was the more financially challenging, but you know, she really has this attitude of, I'm trying to do something different. I'm, I know very much what I'm trying to achieve and I'm committed to that and, you know, sink or swim, right? Like I'm not going to compromise what I'm trying to do um, and, to do the easy route, right? Right. You know, there's a, there's a path that's true and there's a path that maybe a separate path that's the easier path. And she's constantly committed to her principles and what she is trying to achieve. And it's very clear, frankly, as importantly, what she's not trying to achieve. Right. I think a lot of people, they're like, Oh, well, I want to do this, but they're never very deliberate about saying, but I'm not trying to do this. And as I navigate this, you know, evolving landscape as a small business owner, we've had to step back and say, you know what, there are things that maybe would be tempting because they'll help us pay the bills that don't fit our mission. And we need to be brave enough to say, we're not going to dilute our mission just to, you know, pay a bill next week. So um, I've always really, really admired her for that. Nice. Nice. And last one, what's your mission statement? Yeah, we are literally in the, the process of re-envisioning this. I, I spent a four-hour, nothing short of cathartic experience with the marketing firm I've hired to help re-articulate our mission. It's something that is crystal clear in my head, and they're helping me get very 
crisp on communicating that. Um, but if I, if I had to sum it up in a couple of keywords, I would say it's to create, right. And to provide a space for others to create new and interesting works. It's to not only be a space, but frankly, a community and a community that collaborates and supports and, and boosts each other up. Um, we are a community that if you're a good person, you are welcome. And, you know, we, we leave pretense at the door and we don't tolerate people tearing each other down. We are a community that lifts each other up um, and we collaborate to, to make new and interesting works in unexpected and surprising ways. And, and then to inspire others, you know, we, we really want to be and to support people who are out doing game-changing work um, and to lift them up and allow them to inspire the next tranche of people that are coming through. And I think that really embodies, you know, and, and as COVID has taught us, community sometimes, many times actually extends beyond the physical space. The physical space is a tool. Um, that's not who we are. We are we are a community of artists supporting new artists and helping them grow and spread their wings to then become the next set of coaches to the the up and coming behind them. So um, it's going to be really fun when we get all of this, all of our messaging online to really reflect and and even to be able to coach our our staff. You know, it was interesting when when we first started, and I would have new artists interested in joining our community, and they would come to see our spaces and. I did all the tours myself. And so it was very easy for me to tell my story about what the space meant to me and what the community meant to me. Um, as we grow, we're finding we have to really, you know, teach our team members that to how to tell the story as well. Um, because it's one of those things that people, once they come in, they go, oh my gosh, this is so incredible. I had no idea. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a, a thing that's hard to, to actually communicate, but we need to get really crisp in how we describe it. Um, so people recognize the the value that it brings. Definitely, definitely. Well, it's been a you. I really had fun. This is definitely the most unpredictable interview I have. Usually, <laughs> usually I go in it with a game plan, and then you, but you do so much until you know I have to switch it up a little bit. But it was pretty fun. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed my time talking with you and, and certainly, you know, if there's anything for the listeners that, you know, we can do to, to help and support, um, yeah, I love what you're doing. Podcasts are such a great way to connect with people, um, in this increasingly virtual environment. So hats off to you for the really interesting folks that you're bringing to the table to share their experiences, uh, in any time, happy to connect. Thanks. And I, uh, I try to, like it's my goal not only to you know get your voices out there but to at least collab with you guys once so hopefully you know we can do something in the future you know i love it you just let me know any ideas i'm i'm an open book uh you know i love it when people come in and we just sit at the table and we're like what cool things could we do now <laughs> right all right well have a great rest of your day and i'll talk to you later same to you take care bye Bye.